0: and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. My name's Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently a board certified behavior analyst working at a private center. The whole goal of this podcast is to help you with balance. So you'll have some episodes helping you at work and other episodes helping you outside of work. I hope you guys are excited to dive into today's episode. Let's get started. Data collection. It's the backbone of our classroom, but it can be really difficult to get up and running and running being a key there. Even if you have a data collection system, sometimes when you walk into your classroom in the morning and you're short-staffed, you have too many students. They have a lot of complex needs. You're trying to get them into multiple environments. You're trying to teach the content. You're trying to run different behavior protocols. Who has time to grab the data clipboard and take data This was me. When I started teaching, I didn't take enough data. I didn't take good data. I didn't track my data. Technically, I took data, but I really didn't. And that was not okay. I didn't know what was going on with my students. I was always stressed out at progress note time. I was always stressed out writing IEPs. But once I figured out how to not only create data sheets, but have a more effective and efficient data collection system that everybody on my team could use, so many wonderful things happened. I actually knew what was going on with my kids. I had stronger progress notes, better IEPs, more progress in my students' goals. So we're gonna cover four basics today. We're gonna talk about different types of data sheets, different types of data collection systems, ways to take data throughout the day, and how to collaborate with others. So before we dive into this first section, I want to tell you guys, the best data collection system is the one that works for you. So even if it's maybe not the prettiest one, and even if other people wouldn't take data that way, if it's getting you the information you need, that's all that matters. There are endless types of data that you can take. I'm just going to mention four that are a really good place to start if you don't know where to start. The first one is the discrete trial data sheet. If you don't know what discrete trials are, I do talk about it in another podcast that I'll link in the show notes. But your discrete trials are done in a one-on-one setting. It's really structured. It has a clear beginning and end. And for example, if you're teaching sight words in discrete trials, you're going to have a set of 10 sight word cards, and you would use the same 10 sight word cards in each trial. So your data sheet is just going to track if they're mastering that set. So how many of those 10 sight words did they read correctly? Some common things that you would use this type of data sheet for is think, ID, letter ID, number ID, color ID, shapes, sight words, things like that. The next one is a fluency data sheet. This is a step above those discrete trials. With discrete trials, we're just looking for mastery. So if a student takes two minutes to read 10 sight words, but still reads all 10 sight words correctly, they meet that target. With fluency, we need the accuracy and the speed to be paired together. We want our students to know their sight words, math facts, and other essential skills more fluently. We don't want them to be standing in the line at the grocery store, counting on their fingers four post four equals eight. We want them to know that right off the top of their head, because that's going to help them use the skills in a more functional manner, and we should always be thinking about functional use of skills. We're not just teaching kids this stuff because they're in school, we're teaching kids this stuff because it's an essential life skill. So, how can they use it effectively in their life? So, with fluency, we have that target. It's gonna be reading 10 sight words, but we're also gonna have read it in 30 seconds. We want them to get all 10 sight words correct and be able to do it in 30 seconds. A fluency data sheet lets us measure the fluency rate and when you're taking data, if you see that your child is not hitting that fluency target, that would tell you, maybe I need to take this back to discrete trial. They don't know the sight words strong enough to use them fluently. That is a great example of why data is really important. It helps you make those instructional decisions. The next one is ABC data sheets. ABC stands for antecedent behavior and consequence. And to clarify, consequence is not negative, it's just whatever happens after the behavior. ABC data sheets can help you determine the function of behavior and the consequences maintaining the behavior. ABC data sheets might seem complicated, but once you get them set up, it's much easier to track the behavior in your classroom. I do have an entire podcast episode dedicated to ABC data with a free data sheet. I'll link that in the show notes so you can learn more about that. But if you need to be taking data on behavior in your classroom, that's a great option. Another one I like to use is independence or prompting sheets. When we look at the prompting hierarchy, the ultimate goal is independence. We utilize various levels of prompting throughout the day, but we still want to work towards completing tasks independently. You can use tasks such as completing a cut and paste or completing a file folder to measure independence. When we take this type of data, we're measuring the types of prompts needed for each task. So that was a really brief explanation of different data sheets. There are plenty more, but hopefully those four can kind of help you determine some different types of data you could take in your classroom. Once you figure out the types of data sheets you're using, you'll also want to figure out a data collection system. This is how your team will approach collecting that data. It's important to pair easy to understand data sheets with easy to use data collection system. If the data sheet itself or the system used to collect data is too complicated, no one will do it. So my absolute favorite way to take data in a classroom is digital data. Once I turned to Google Forms, it became so much easier for my team. I didn't have to remember to print data sheets. We never had to worry about the student being an inclusion math and the data sheet being in my classroom. I could look at the data from home if I needed to and my administrator could log in and see the data. I had a real life example of when I learned that this was really necessary. I had traveled on my honeymoon back in 2016 and a crisis happened while i was gone my admin needed to look at my data but she couldn't figure out where it was and it didn't make sense to her when i came back it was already a little too far gone it was extremely stressful it took a while to dig out of that situation so when i had to travel in 2018 to spain for my brother's wedding i was already using google forms at this point i gave my administrator the login and i showed her how to look at the data She didn't need it that time, but it was a huge relief to know that she could just log in and look if she did. I've got a podcast all about digital data linked in the show notes as well. If you want to go the more paper-based route, I do have a couple of suggestions. First is have a data binder for each child. So Johnny would have a binder and all of Johnny's data sheets would be in the binder. That made it easy to just pull that one binder when heading into a meeting. This system works really well if you're running a lot of discrete trials or working with students on a one-to-one basis. Clipboards are another great option. They're strategically placed around the room, and this can be really helpful, especially for behavior and communication data that can be snagged at any time. I also like to have clipboards for my paraprofessionals to take into inclusion. For example, if my para was supporting a student during reading, she might have a clipboard with just his reading, communication, and behavior goals on it. She didn't need to worry about IEP goals that related to math, fine motor skills, and things like that. So a clipboard narrowed down to that subject helped her take more data. Also, When I told you guys a little bit ago that I had a big problem in 2016, here's kind of what happened. So I had data. As I already said, I wasn't taking a lot of data, but I was using all of these systems. So I had data binders, but I also had data clipboards, but I also had just random sheets that weren't on a clipboard. They were in a folder. I also took data on Post-it notes that were shoved into my planner, my backpack, sometimes my lunchbox. It was everywhere. So when someone else needed to see it, It didn't work. So after that learning opportunity, I restructured to a weekly data sheet. So I had all the goals on one sheet and the goal was to fill up the weekly data sheet by Friday. So this kind of helped in the concern of not taking enough data in the beginning. I would find that I would have some goals where I had 50 data points for and other goals that I had two data points for. It was a pretty sticky situation that happened and I had to Up my data game so the weekly data sheet helped me do this every data sheet had room for three points on it my district expected data to be collected two to three times a week on all goals and this has helped me work towards that I might not get three data points for every goal but I needed to have at least one data point per goal so if I could make sure I was taking data at least once a week that was a lot better than what I was doing before and then I could be confident that I was taking enough data across the day one of the things i also tried was data sheet by subject so the type of data i needed in my classroom greatly varied from year to year some years i had mainly behavior communication and fine motor skills so this system doesn't work for that but the years where i had a lot of reading and math goals this worked wonderfully i would split my class into reading groups and then i would have a data sheet per group i would take all of the goals pertaining to reading, so decoding, comprehension, retelling, and I would put it on one sheet. So if I had five kids in that reading group, all of their IEP goals would be on that one sheet. Before I did this, I would take those same five kids and I would have five data binders open or five clipboards on the table. That's a lot. With my teacher materials, the kids set of reading materials, it was chaotic. Once I streamlined it, I could have just that one data sheet in front of me, take data during reading, and then at the end of the week, I would transfer the data to their individual binders and shred the one-pagers. That might have felt like an unnecessary step, but again, if I got called into a meeting unexpectedly, I didn't have to scramble to find all my one-pages and cover up confidential information. By transferring data, I could still grab that individual binder for meetings. I used a mix of data sheets by subject, weekly data sheets, and Google Forms. One thing I wanted to clarify with all of these, I color coded my students about halfway through my teaching career and this helped a ton. Every student was assigned a color so it made it easier to keep sheets confidential. I told you guys about a fake student named Johnny. Let's say Johnny is color coded blue. My data sheet would say blue data sheet. The only people who knew my color code were my therapist, my aides, and my assistant principal. That meant if anyone else found the data sheet, whether it was a paper-based one or digital, they didn't know which student it was for, which helped protect confidentiality. And there's a lot of colors that you can use if you're thinking, oh, I've got a class with 16 kids, you can use blue, red, light pink, purple, dark green, yellow, orange, teal, black, white, brown, tan, gray, burgundy, lime green, and hot pink. I wanted to show that there are a bunch of colors you could use. You also could do letters or numbers or combinations of letters and numbers. Again, the idea is just if someone finds your data sheet, they don't know who the data is for. And that's great for confidentiality if you're going to be storing data all over the classroom. So once you've got that collection system going, our next question is, well, when do we take data? Sometimes so much is going on in the classroom that remembering to grab that clipboard or open that Google Form to record data is really difficult. So here are some easy ideas you can use to collect data throughout the day. The first one is IEP bins. An IEP bin is filled with materials necessary to run the goals. I don't usually include materials for speech or behavior because those goals typically don't need a tangible item. That data is just captured throughout the day. When I look at each goal, I considered if I had to present the child with an actual physical thing to work on, so a patterning board to work on a patterning goal, and I wrote it on a list. Once I knew all the materials I needed to run each goal, I could start assembling materials. IEP bins usually had a lot of flashcards, file folders, manipulatives, hands-on task cards. I might even put some worksheets in there. The idea is that when you pull your student to the table, you have everything you need at your fingertips. In my classroom, we ran IEP bins every morning. My students could rotate between independent work and working on the IEP bin with me and my assistant. I tried to rotate tasks out once a month to make sure we were generalizing skills. And if you're interested about IEP bins, I do have a whole podcast about that also linked in the show notes. Another idea is fluency data. So we talked about that earlier in the podcast. This is a crucial skill for a lot of our students. This skill becomes much more pertinent when you can actually use it fast. And so a fluency center is a great way to make sure the skills are functional, but also to get a lot of data. Fluency is different from IEP bins because with IEP bins, you might have a wide array of materials. With fluency, it's typically just flashcards. I have a blog post to talk about what fluency centers looked like in my classroom, linked in the show notes. But what was really nice about this is my fluency center was run by my paraprofessional. It was really easy for her to do, but she could take a lot of data on my behalf, and that got a lot of pressure off of my shoulders. And the last one, it's gonna sound silly, but do it during instruction. But I know you're like, why would you not? Well, if you've got a lot of discrete trials and fluency, you might forget this little tip. Make a plan for data collection during your actual lessons. Take reading data during your reading lesson. Take math data during your math lesson. Basically, the idea is if you can't find a time to take data, you're not going to take data. So know when you're targeting those reading goals. Know when you're targeting those math goals. Know when you're targeting those fine motor goals, speech goals, behavior goals. Have this system running so that way at the end of the quarter you don't go, oh my gosh, I never took data on this one goal. Been there, done that, it sucks. So just make your plan so you know when each type of data is being taken. And my next tip is collaboration on data collection. Your paras can and should be taking data. They spend as much time as you do with the students and with some instances, they might be the only one with the student for a certain time of day. Think inclusion. If your student has a goal to raise their hand and wait to be called on and your paras taking them to inclusion for 60 minutes a day, you need data for how that goal is working in the general education classroom. You will want to train your paras on taking data. I do have another podcast all about working with paras in general linked in the show notes, but you'll want to make sure they understand how to take the data. This is where designing those easy to understand data sheets come into play. Consider having your para run a fluency center or do IEP bins. I trained my paras on how to take data during morning calendar. Different areas where maybe I was teaching and couldn't realistically take data at the same time, but they could get that information for me, which helped me a ton. But it's also important to get feedback from your paras on the data collection system. Again, if it's not an easy to understand data sheet and an easy to use data collection system, they won't take the data. I had a scenario where my assistant had clipboards for inclusion. I had thought clipboards were simple, but she was supporting three different students. She found it really difficult to navigate all three clipboards while providing hand-on math support during the really fast paced lesson. When we talked about it, I switched to one data sheet with all the math goals on it, and she would just transfer her data to individual data binders at the end of the week. This made it easier for her to collect quality data, which helped me in the end. We also want to be taking data on goals that are tagged by your related service providers. Work with both of these therapists to get input on your data sheet. Your speech therapist might have an easy idea for you to capture articulation data and your occupational therapist might be able to help you design a system that gives her all of the information she needs regarding fine motor goals. I know this is a lot of information, but I hope it does help you get started. Data collection is something that you'll want to design before the school year, but also be willing to go back and adjust it as needs in your classroom change. But if you're not taking data, you're not going to be able to track progress, you're not going to be able to write strong and effective IEPs, and you're really just going to make your own job harder. Take it for somebody who went down that path. Data collection helps so much, so make a system that works and stick to it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you guys found something useful and you can always come visit me on Instagram at Adaptation Station for more content all about work and life. I hope you guys join me for the next episode and have a good one.